it's yeah. any way that we feel inferior towards other women rather than feel collaboratively towards yeah. them if we if we look at another woman and feel jealous mm. or feel threatened or feel judgmental and kind of internally project our judgments or shaming on her then that's a sign that we've got this sister wound mm. what we should be able to do from the healthy feminine is look at another woman's success and feel happy for her yeah and feel like that's going to benefit everyone and not feel like there's a lack or i'm going to have less because she got the promotion that i didn't get or that she's skinnier than me or how quickly do we turn through the pages of a magazine and go Ugh, don't like that i wouldn't wear that i wouldn't wear that like we're so internally conditioned that we don't even realize it's happening to mm. judge and criticize other women Welcome to the Female Leadership Collective podcast. I'm your host, Susie Clark. On this show, we're all about helping high-achieving women authentically find purpose and build fulfilling online businesses. I believe the key to happiness is channeling our talents into something that we really deeply care about. That's why I left my six-figure career in finance in London, moved to Asia, and now run my own mission-led business in paradise. I found purpose and happiness in my life, and I want to empower you to do the same. In today's world, we are so lucky in that we no longer have to work in the same office every single day. We can start our own online businesses and travel the world. On this show, I bring you examples of amazing role models who have done just that, quit their corporate jobs and successfully run online businesses. We talk through all things entrepreneurship, purpose, travel, femininity, nothing is off limits. I'm here to inspire you to spend your life doing something you truly love and make the impact you really want to make on the world. Today I have the amazing Erin Kiner on. We talk all about emotions in this episode and the reason why I think this conversation is so, so important and I probably would have refused to have this conversation a few years ago because I just didn't see any benefit in talking about emotions and I would shy away from it and all of that kind of thing and that's the reason why we need to talk about it. So Over my journey, I have realized that corporate life really encouraged me to suppress my feelings, my emotions, because that kind of thing was seen as weak. Um, We were conditioned to be a bit more robotic, very professional and not show that side to us. And over time, um, you know, after striving to, to be like that, I think I suppressed so much emotion that not only did I not feel the pain side of it, but I did not feel the joy side of emotions either. And what, why that was so problematic when I came to quit my job was that when I was trying to choose things that I wanted to do with my life that brought me joy and purpose, because I couldn't tap into the emotional side of myself, I really struggled to evaluate things based on, do I want to do this? And this feeling side of me everything was just like okay so that would make money okay that won't make money and it's just like those are exactly the same kind of principles we use and why we end up in corporate roles in the first place so we talk about being able to tap into our emotions why the why the world kind of shames um tapping into your emotions we also um discuss the femininity and how our power as females has kind of not been encouraged in today's society um and the sister wound which is so interesting why women kind of um feel like they need to compete with other women and uh you know we were kind of pitched against each other um and Erin provides some amazing advice and tools on how you can tap back into your emotions and why it's so, so important to avoid things like burnout and to find the thing that you love to do in life because you need to know that you love it by feeling it, you know? So this is such an important conversation and you're going to learn so much from Erin. Welcome, Erin. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. So 
I, well, we just chatted offline a little bit just around why I have this narrative on the podcast of bringing people on to talk about sexual energy and <laughs> feminine energy and things like that, because a lot of women um, don't kind of associate that with leadership. <laughs> and um, from my personal journey, I think it's been absolutely key to be able to um, tap into that kind of feminine energy, understanding feelings and all of that stuff for me to be able to navigate what I want to do in my career and business and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm so excited to have you on to chat more about these subjects. Oh, thanks so much. <laughs> so first of all, let's start with an intro to you. So do you want to tell the listeners who you are, what you do, and then after that we can go a bit more into your journey? Yeah, sure. So I am a sexuality and spirituality coach and healer. I've been running my coaching practice since 2011, um, and it evolves as I evolve. So I kind of stepped into the sexuality space a few years ago as my life was going through a greater sexual evolution. And it just feels like I just take the most natural next step. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to watch how it, you know, comes along on this journey of life with Mm -hmm. me. I don't feel rigid or stuck in some identity of what I need to do. I just get to be Erin. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think that like, this is what this podcast is about, helping people find themselves how cliche that sounds but what's behind that is just tapping into who you actually are and like being able to understand and listen to yourself and navigate the world from that perspective rather than listening to everybody else I think Mm -hmm. um okay so let's start from so your career started as a flight attendant right that's correct yeah. yeah so let's talk about that how was that like did you enjoy it like let's talk about that (laughs) (laughs) it was awesome actually when I loved that job I really loved that job and when I didn't love that job anymore I really didn't love that job anymore (laughs) it was kind of you you'd go through these swings of like really loving and appreciating it and then having these moments where you really don't appreciate and you don't like it but you kind of ride through that wave and you'll find a reason to stay Mm. and what I can witness now 10 years out of aviation is how many people stay yeah and they stay quite unhappy it's almost like the longer they stay in the one role the less courage they have to step out of that Mm. and so I love the fact that I stepped out of it I support as many people as I can in stepping out of that comfort zone Mm -hmm. and actually starting to follow that little inkling so when I used to fly for Virgin Australia for nearly 10 years and I was six, eight, nine, seven. <laughs> that was my oh, number wow, yeah. in the computer. And ultimately to the company, I was a number in a computer. Yeah. I was someone that could play a very specific role that was quite easily replaceable in many ways too. But it wasn't so much about Erin being Erin. Erin was able to bring parts of my personality to work and be good at what I did. And I really thrive in a structured environment like that. So it was very easy for me to excel at my job. And I love excelling, you know, I love mm-hmm. overachieving in that way. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it wasn't truly about me, mm-hmm. what it is that I've been placed here on the planet to do. It, it's definitely about people and making a difference to people, but I was limited within the confines and the, the structure of a large company. Mm. And sometimes in a large company, when you give and give and give and give and give, especially if you're wired like me to overachieve and to succeed, then a time comes where you need to get something back mm. and you get nothing back. Mm. All of a sudden you realize like, oh, there's nothing about me that stand out to the company. I'm just a number in a computer and they need me to perform a role. And yeah. if I can't perform that role, then that's the end of the story. So I found after so many years in aviation and loving it and really feeling like as a cabin supervisor, I made a difference to the people that I worked with, fantastic benefits in terms of like being able to see the world. Mm. But I just got to this place where I was like, I need something back. I need to be rewarded for all this hard work I've put in and it's not happening. Mm. And so I got rostered my seventh consecutive Christmas day. And that was the day Second. I resigned. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. That's I, was, I remember getting my roster and being on this, I was a passenger on a flight to Sydney. So I was in my uniform, but sitting with the passengers and turning on my phone when we landed and having this message that says like, like my mom was about to leave for overseas too. And I tried to get the weekend off to say goodbye to her before she moved out yeah. of Australia that was rejected and Christmas rosters are published and you're flying on Christmas day. And it almost, what happens in my life now I can see when I look back is that there's almost 
a plan that's happening for me. Mm. And I have some little inkling that I'm meant to follow this change or this bold leap and I'm scared and I stay until the point that life pushes me out the door. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's so many people will relate to that for sure. But when I finally get pushed out the door, everything's already lined up and waiting for me and it's been mm. amazing. So this failing to get Christmas off for the seventh year in a row, failing to be able to say goodbye to my mum was just that. That was the oh, push. So I was crying in my uniform. Sydney afternoon, Sydney airport on a Friday afternoon where all these suits are flooding out of the airport and I'm trying to push against the yeah. crowd like a salmon, like crying in my uniform. Like it was a really intense moment. And there were all these other little carry-on things. I was on minimum rest. They forgot to book me a hotel. They forgot to book me transport. I tested positive on the bomb test. It just was like oh my God. everything. It's like the universe is like, are you listening, Erin? Yeah. It's time to leave now. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I literally wrote my resignation letter that night. And at that point, I'd found life coaching. I'd met another life coach on board. Well, she was a flight attendant who'd also trained in life coaching. And it had drastically changed my life. So mm. I had this inkling that I wanted to do it, but a lot of self-doubt. Mm. A lot of, I'd never run my own business. I didn't have those kind of skills. No one in my family had run their own business. So it just seemed so far out of left field mm -hmm. of what I thought I could do with my life. But like, I just felt like I got pushed out the door at Virgin. I was exhausted and depleted mm. and I'd given all that I can give. I'm not getting what I need in return. And I remember handing in my resignation letter with shaking hands, like oh. terrified. <laughs> But sometimes they're the best moments, you know, like yeah. if we can just be bold and brave in those moments when normally we'd stay small, then life is going to open up. So that's essentially what kind of led me into my coaching practice. But I did have a part-time job in a yoga and Pilates studio. Mm -hmm. And even though it looked like, honestly, I didn't tell people that that's what I was doing because of my ego. Yeah. <laughs> I was so embarrassed to go from the income that I'd been on, which was a great salary for the role, to going down to a mm. casual pay rate at minimum wage but everything inside me knew I was meant to be there yeah and I it love wasn't that. so much about the money yeah it was about the fact that this is a small business and they trained me in every single skill in the yes. company the fact that it actually put me on the path to become a yoga teacher which put me on the path to become a lululemon ambassador so mm. I was the first lululemon ambassador in Australia as a meditation teacher oh no way I didn't yeah, know this like amazing amazing things cool. came from that oh wow I love this but I had to let go of my ego I had to let go of what I thought looked good in the eyes of other people and trust that little calling inside of me yeah and that's the thing that now leads my entire life yeah so I had another like push out the door and it was time to go full-time into my own coaching business I built a full-time coaching practice in the space of six weeks mm. like it was kind of the forefront of the coaching movement in Australia and at the time no one had heard of it okay and to me that seemed like a massive obstacle yeah and my best friend who was in marketing was like Erin that is an untapped market mm. <laughs> so it was really good to have kind of great people around me who believed in me and saw me but again when I'm in alignment like that and life is guiding me in a certain way and I finally have the courage to say yes it's like I get carried on this giant wave mm -hmm. and opportunities that I could never have dreamed of or coordinated myself land on my lap so I had my meditations featured on Virgin International and the airline someone else oh, had lined no that up way. for me so That's people so would get on the plane and listen to my meditations yeah. oh what Australia's, a kind of full circle I know yeah. Australia's largest bakery chain got me to commission meditations Lululemon happened like it was just insane mm. and I just felt like shit, I'm just being me. I'm just yeah. doing what's in my heart. I now have the privilege of deconditioning myself from what society expects or what I need to do in a certain role or what my family expected of me. And I get to follow my heart and yep. I get to do the things that light me up and that yep. bring me joy. And I get to do it on a schedule that works for me mm. and not have to bloody answer to 4am wake up calls to be yeah. in the airport 45 minutes later and, you know, yeah. about the people in control. Oh, there's so many things I love about that. And I think that you when you think of all these things they all come down to that one decision <laughs> like this is the thing that so many people are so scared and you feel so scared and you could take years to make that decision but then it's just like oh my god if I had never made this decision yeah you know and I'm really glad as well you mentioned the job in the Pilates the yoga studio because that is something I tell people as well like it is really hard to get rid of that ego it's like no mm. I am worth this and it's <laughs> like you put all your worth on your salary or on your title rather than like your worth on how much you enjoy something yes. and 
like you said, you learned so many skills in that job that then allowed you to start a business. That's what people go to business school for. They pay <laughs> money to do that. You, you know, yeah. like there was a firsthand, like you were almost taking a 101 in business then to be yes. able to go into something else. So yeah, I think it's like other people if listening, like if they're see an opportunity that's like completely different to what they're doing they're like oh I'd just love to go and do that like less pressure less responsibility but they feel the ego standing in the way I think that you know try not to see it on face value like what else are you gonna get that's exactly it, you know? right and especially like I'm lucky because I'm very comfortable in uncertainty mm. and I can really see in other people who have a very deep need for safety and stability mm -hmm. and security my lifestyle would not work it would be terrifying for some people to live the way that I live, but this is very true for me. So I can see other people when they're in this one career path and something else is illuminating them and they think, oh, I kind of want to go do that thing, mm -hmm. but it seems crazy and outrageous and so different from this, is to find some sort of bridging middle ground. What is an opportunity that you can take where you get to disconnect and decondition from yeah. the old job, but maybe step into where am I going to be putting myself in front of the right people or making the right connections or learning a skill that I don't have? Yeah. So it's okay if it's some sort of demotion in terms of society's, mm -hmm. you know, um, metrics when it yeah. comes to our career, but at the same time, it's actually being super smart and leveraging what else you need. And I think being around the right people is critical mm -hmm. for success. Like, you know, we're lucky here in Bali having so many entrepreneurs so we get inspired and we make yeah. connections and we record podcasts yeah. and we collab and it's and, normal yes and so if you can find a way to then say okay well who would I want to collaborate with who would I want to meet mm. and like what kind of roles and opportunities might put you with the right crowd because that kind of um, tribal sense of success yeah. and elevation can't be rivaled and I remember back to the time like I didn't know anyone doing it so mm. I felt like such a dropout didn't know who to mm -hmm. talk to so yeah I think you like just having one or two other people that you know is doing it as well yes. just normalizes it makes yes. it feel a bit easier and then we because if we expose ourselves too much to other people's fear and doubt mm -hmm. because they don't have the courage to do what we're doing and they project all of their judgment onto us then oh my god yeah we're so susceptible to doubting ourselves yeah but if you go and connect with other people who are doing it who believe in it who've already done it who are evidence that it's possible yeah. then you don't have to be so um it can be really toxic when other people project their doubt or yeah. their fears onto us. Yeah, so true. Um, yeah, I love so many like pieces of wisdom in there. <laughs> um, so there's so much I want to talk about on this episode. So I'm thinking on this next part, let's chat about what you do now. So it's a lot around sexuality, helping people um, get rid of shame around mm -hmm. sex and get more pleasure in their life. Um, maybe just introduce what you actually do for work and how you help people. Like what kind of things do people come to you for? <laughs> and I love this. It's going to be so yeah. different to what anybody else has heard before. <laughs> and it's so undefined in many ways. Oh. And I actually quite like that. I say, okay, I am Erin. I turned 40 in just under a month. I have 40 years of life experience under my belt. I've got lots of different uh, skills and modalities that I've learned, but I don't say this is what I do. Yeah. And the client has to fit in this box. Yeah. I'm also more so say, who is this client and what do I have? How can I personalize what it is that I do mm. to get the best out of this client? still within the confines of how can I give my best? Because obviously mm. I can't like spread myself thinly or step outside of my own boundaries, but within my skill set, how can I help this person? Mm. So essentially, well, there's a few different kinds of things that happen, but the umbrella around it all is I help people transform. Mm -hmm. I help people transform and optimize and evolve into a greater sense of who they are. And so lately that's been happening through the path of sexuality, mm. which is, as we were sharing before when we were offline, such a powerful part of our life that often we ignore mm. because it's just at home and in the bedroom for most people 90% of your life is existing outside of that so if you're not at your peak sexual performance no one's going to know mm. <laughs> it doesn't seem to have a direct correlation to how you perform at work or the quality of you know your friendships or yeah. things like that but actually it does mm. so when I help people transform this most intimate part of their life when you've got the willingness and the vulnerability to go there and transform there then it cascades out and touches yeah. everything 
yeah and that's so it seems so logical to me and so obvious but not something that people think you know exactly yeah and again this is just layers and layers and layers of societal shame that's been around for thousands of years mm. regarding sexuality but particularly women's sexuality mm. for women to identify as a sexual woman comes with a lot of social consequences and like we're very lucky with the privileges that we have to even have this conversation and to have this level of awareness yeah but there are women on the planet who would die for this yeah you know, still to this day so even though we're seeing a lot of progress sexually we also still see the fact that the world and religion and societies yeah. have really 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 hinder the ability for healthy sexual expression across the planet mm -hmm. yeah and that's like it's devastating really that that's still the case and I, and I think drawing it back to like our more of our, our personal experiences that we can understand in the western world it's like like I can give an example so I, sometimes I think, oh, or before I would think, oh, there's no shame around sex here. We've kind of over that. But then when, like, for example, I went on that tantra retreat and then afterwards I'm talking to my guy friends, some of them, and they're, and they're really uncomfortable talking to me about it. They're like, oh, so what were you all doing in the room? Just touching yourself like, oh, like, and I'm <laughs> thinking these are the same guys who will tell me, can you introduce me to your girlfriends on the weekend? You know, <laughs> I'm looking for someone to like take home. And I'm just like, why, why are you so proactive in that sense? But then you try and shame, like shame what I'm doing on that sense because you're so uncomfortable mm -hmm. around it. And I know they weren't doing it to be mean to me. It's more because I think that's just been the narrative and that's just normal of that's how people exactly talk right. about it um so i would like to just maybe like maybe you could talk a bit about the history of that and i know that's a whole other podcast but just like why is there still that shame narrative where does it come from um mm. and how we can just go over that <laughs> in a condensed <laughs> way <laughs> Well, essentially, it's the patriarchy, mm -hmm. which is this invisible structure that we are all influenced by that's been on the planet for the last 2000 years, at least, where men or the masculine has held power. And in order to hold power, one of the ways that they do that is by diminishing the feminine and mm -hmm. diminishing women. And, you know, in very obvious ways, like women being second class citizens in terms of their rights and their abilities to manage their to access money or to access mm -hmm. abortions, things like that. So when we have the masculine in power, then we all get taught that we have to act in a masculine yeah. way. And that's what's going to create our success. It's going to create our safety. It's going to create our social standing. Mm -hmm. And so even as women, we become very masculine. We work like men we act mm -hmm. like men we deny things about us that are feminine because that's seen as weakness mm -hmm. so it influences women in a certain way in the sense that our femininity uh, becomes a threat it becomes dangerous to express it sometimes you could fear losing your job you could fear losing your position at work if you're mm -hmm. too emotional too feminine you know if, if you're not standing there with one of the men with your chest puffed out and like stoic and yeah. logical yeah and then it influences men because it denies the feminine in them too. Mm -hmm. So they're also not allowed to be emotional. They're not allowed to show sensitivity. So when we see that the conversation that you had with those guys, their sexual performance, their masculinity is tied up to how well they perform mm. in the bedroom. And if you're going into a realm of sexuality that they know nothing about, then they're freaking petrified. Intimidated, yeah. That that's going to, if they would go into that space that they won't, know what they're doing they're mm. going to look like they're not good at sexual performance mm. and then that affects their masculinity so they'd rather judge and criticize and push it away yes. than to step in and say oh let me learn these new skills that none of us have learned let me be curious about this yeah it's like nope let me just make let me feel masculine mm. let me feel like i'm a virile amazing man in bed like there's so much performance pressure on men which is just so limiting mm. and so unilateral yeah <laughs> so penis centric it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the the patriarchy's damaged all of us it stopped men from being in deep connection with their hearts and their emotionality and being healthy in their emotionality and it stopped women from feeling good about ourselves in mm -hmm. many ways it's been unsafe for us it's been um it's damaged us in many many ways but shame and guilt are two of the most powerful ways that we can control other humans so the powers that be have used shame and guilt around 
what's the most powerful part of a woman. It's actually mm. her sexuality. It's her creative energy that she holds inside of her. It's like our ability to create new life inside of our bodies. Mm. Like that's all elements of the feminine. So we see this played out in our societies from a very young age when we're not allowed to talk about our body parts, yeah. where we're not allowed to touch ourselves as little girls, but little boys might be able to touch themselves. Mm. Things like this, where slut shaming for women is incredibly destructive and damaging, but for men it's something that promotes their yeah. status in society. So that's essentially how we got to where we are today is 2,000 years of <laughs> compounding mm. shame and guilt. But we're also starting to see a turn because we're having yeah. this conversation today. Yeah. And like people are really starting to understand it. Tantra is something that everyone has heard of now, even if they don't understand it, it's at mm. least becoming more commonplace. Yeah, I love that. And that was like such a great condensed explanation. <laughs> Why thank you? Um, I, a question popped into my head, and this might be another deep question, but like, what were they scared of? Like, what? Why? why suppress this why why control women like what were they scared of well I think it's autonomy actually at the end of the day the powers that be want people to feel disempowered so that they will comply with mm. the wishes and directions of the ones in power mm. and we see that everywhere yeah. we see it in capitalism and the way that we get marketed to mm. we see it in the government and the Corporate. way that we've been damaging this pan uh, managing this pandemic it's like yeah. The ones that want to be in power want to keep power. Mm. And so if we make people feel less powerful or mm. turn them against each other to fight and bicker and like distract them from what's really happening, then the bigger wheels can keep turning and benefiting the few that are in power. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. And you, yeah, like you say, that's exactly what you see in corporate by way of the hierarchy, the promotion criteria, criteria being exactly the same, but they're actively trying to hire diverse candidates like it just doesn't make any sense um yeah. I also want to talk actually you mentioned this before at um one of your the group things and I it, I can't remember what you called it but it was like um that some the the sister wound yeah the wound mm -hmm. and like how they how we were turned against each other. Can you just explain what that is and what, what that might be if people could recognize it in themselves? Yeah, so the healthy feminine expression is actually one of community mm. and collaboration. You know, it was that kind of family essence of like all working together. But when groups work together, they become a threat to the powers yeah. that be. So one of the greatest ways to kind of disrupt that group working is to basically insert poison into it and turn mm. them against each other. So it creates a sense of competition between women rather than collaboration. And so competition looks like needing to be the skinniest one in the room or the prettiest one in the room to get the guy's attention mm. or um, not trusting other women because you think that they're going to stab you in the back mm. or um, some sense of scarcity that there's no good men out there. So we have to kind of like cut other people's grass to climb to the top and same in the workplace, yeah. stuff like that. So it's yeah. any way that we feel inferior towards other women rather than feel collaboratively towards yeah. them. If we, if we look at another woman and feel, another woman and feel jealous mm. or feel threatened or feel judgmental and kind of internally project our judgments or shaming on her, then that's a sign that we've got this sister wound. Mm. What we should be able to do from the healthy feminine is look at another woman's success and feel happy for her yeah, and feel like that's going to benefit everyone and not feel like there's a lack or I'm going to have less because she got the promotion that I didn't get or that she's skinnier than me or like, you know, how, how quickly do we turn through the pages of a magazine and go, Ugh, don't like that. I wouldn't wear that. I wouldn't wear that. Like we're so internally conditioned that we don't even realize it's happening to mm. judge and criticize other women. Yeah, this is so true. And I'm, I'm glad you, you explained that. So if someone is like, oh shit, I do that all the time. <laughs> like what, where's the best start to kind of not, not do that as much? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the first thing is just to acknowledge that everyone listening has done that. Yeah. All of us, every yeah. single one of us. So the first step is our own self-compassion and forgiveness and understanding. Often these things get passed down from our mothers and we mm. don't even know. Yeah. Mothers are trained to be jealous and insecure yeah. of their daughters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so if we are getting privileges that our mothers didn't get, sometimes they want to shut us down mm. or they teach us don't shine so brightly or don't get that much attention or that much success. So 
the first thing is to recognize like we haven't chosen this we haven't done anything wrong we've just been brought up in this very sick society when it comes to our femininity so alleviating ourselves of any kind of self-judgment or criticism towards it and then just having compassion and understanding and saying oh there I go again mm. and that's okay but what's the replacement behavior what's the thing that we want to kind of move towards and it would be celebration and collaboration so there's one particular book that stands out in my mind um, it's by an author called Byron Katie mm-hmm. and it's called I Need Your Love Is That True and it's a book about relationships and it helps us see where we're projecting mm-hmm onto other people in relationships and gives us really, really simple processes to be able to turn that around. So basically one of the questions is like, is that true? And is that really, really true? And then you kind of, they're just these little mental somersaults that you can do where you call yourself out on just how crazy it is the way that we project our ideas onto other people or what we think they should be doing or shouldn't be doing or how they should be behaving and when we can kind of trip ourselves up mentally like that it has no power anymore and we can see through that illusion and be like okay yeah (laughs) let's let's find that higher way of relating and viewing the world yeah I love that it's like asking when you feel something it's like okay what's behind that what's but and keep going until yeah. you kind of get and then exactly. sometimes that just shatters the whole thing exactly you know? yeah. so what we can do is we can be taught not to shine brightly not to stand out too much not to get too much attention like they're all the stories that happened to me as a kid like Erin mm. talks too much Erin's being too bossy Erin needs too much attention Erin always wants to be on stage and all of that was judged and criticized And then therefore psychologically we put it into the shadow and we think if I do too much of that, I'm not lovable. I'm not safe. I'll be ejected from the tribe. And so then as we start growing up and I see another woman who's getting lots of attention and she's on stage and she's talking and Mm. she's getting praised, I can hate that Mm. because I've denied it in myself. I've learned to judge it in myself. So I don't like seeing it in her. So therefore I can tend to judge her, be competitive with her, find ways to covertly bring her down a couple of pegs. But really what she's doing is mirroring back to me something that I've rejected in myself. Yeah. So every time we have that charge inside of like, oh, I don't like what she's doing, it's a mirror. All yeah. it is is a mirror because I'll be looking at one girl hating her guts and you're looking at her and going, wow, she's really amazing. <laughs> and the next girl next to us is like, who? Didn't even notice her. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah, I, I think I have the same outcome but coming from the opposite place in the sense of I maybe had um a lot of encouragement Mm -hmm. so I'm like I can win everything (laughs) so like but what that caused is like this achievement competition addiction Mm -hmm. if someone else has got first place or Mm -hmm. if someone else is like it's like I've got even if I don't give a shit about that type of competition or whatever it was I have to enter it and I have to win (laughs) and I have to prove that I can beat them and it's like luckily I've you know done work on that and it's not the case anymore but yeah, it can also work in that way. Mm-hmm. In, and Absolutely. that's, again, the same thing, isn't Absolutely. it? Trying to compete and, like, why can't I just look at her and be like, oh, my God, that's amazing. She's, like, an incredible, I don't know, ballet dancer. I don't need to be a ballet dancer. Yes. <laughs> that kind of exactly. thing, Exactly. You know? So the part of you that you deny is the part that's less than perfect. Yeah. And so you're not comfortable with anything that mm. is less than number one. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas for me, the problem was being number one. Yeah. But I have that too. I have this internal drive where I was <laughs> over climbing to the top of everything I yeah. do and I'd be like calm down Erin we don't need to be the best at this all the time yeah. like, to learn that we are enough exactly as we are no matter what our performance is and not to even be looking outside of ourselves and comparing it but using our intrinsic yeah. measures of how good we feel how satisfied we are can we lay our head on our pillow at night and go to bed peacefully and proud of it was a great day and I did Mm. good things today and I was a good person or whatever it might be mm. but we've just been trained to look outside of ourselves and so true and compare I see it a lot actually here because I think a lot of the people here are quite overachievers as well and it's like I remember going to play paddle tennis with a group of friends when it first opened and then like one of them like wasn't she wasn't happy with her performance and afterwards she's like right I'm gonna go and practice this over and over again and we're gonna come back and I'm like you don't need to be good at everything like just enjoy it doesn't matter and I used to be so like that um same I didn't want to get into yoga there was a calling inside me to do yoga but I'd go and I wouldn't be good enough and I wouldn't go back Mm. I had to be good at it but no one's good at it when you start Mm. it's all a learning curve and yoga was one of the things that when I finally got into it I was telling myself do not become a yoga teacher Erin don't do it you've got your whole life to practice yoga you do not need to climb to the top 
but lo and behold when I listened to that guidance from the universe I became a yoga teacher (laughs) (laughs) the way the opportunities that opened up were insane but I was like actively holding myself back from climbing because it's like you don't need to do that enjoy this process whenever we get to what we think is the summit there's just another one yeah we never actually reach that point so let's all just and nobody cares like who are we trying to impress nobody's gonna notice you know it's like it's valid it's validation for you you and half the time you don't even really want to do it deep down like you don't really care (laughs) and nor do we look back and appreciate how far we've come and the successes that we do have and that we have built yeah we're just constantly looking at the lack yeah they're not good enough and trying to overcome that by more achievement yeah and I just want to like take all this back and this is exactly the reason why you know it comes all the way back to like um like sexuality and femininity and all of these things they then manifested the world like this because Mm -hmm. it touches every area our Mm -hmm. life um okay so for like the last part of this I want to talk about emotions and we kind of Mm. have been talking about it a bit indirectly but I think that a big thing that happened to me in corporate was I was in banking so I was really really uh everything was very suppressed emotions everything I I remember once being in a um meeting and then my manager told me she was a woman and told me the feedback of like I should tie up my hair because in the meetings like I'm touching my hair sometimes and it makes Mm. me look a bit girly and I'm like what if you know touching my hair just makes me you know I feel some other kind of like uh, material in my hair that me- that means that I come up with an idea I'm deep in thought that helps the thoughts come and then it's some sort of amazing idea that makes them more money like exactly. what about them you exactly. know it's kind of they've interpreted that thing as meaning weakness yes and maybe that's actually just how I come up with great exactly. ideas you know? like playing with your hair is actually a grooming gesture that can reduce anxiety Often yeah. what happens for people is that they're it's a Exactly. Mm. So if we knew, okay, this reduces my anxiety, which could make me perform better or mm-hmm. clarify my mind to open to more creative ideas. And yeah, yeah absolutely. But what, what do we think immediately, like the body language training that we all get, you know, as part of, again, another silent gift from society that we don't know, that this ditzy girl twirling her hair is like, ha, ha, ha flirty yeah I've got nothing in my brain and that's what society's taught me (laughs) yeah and then yeah if we're women that have been trained to achieve then we we want to deny that that's part of the shadow for sure like don't act like a ditz or a bimbo or look stupid or look Mm. too pretty or too sexual Mm -hmm. because all of those things do not equate to a valuable thing in the workplace you know a valuable quality in the workplace like society Mm. thinks so true um so so emotions I think the narrative I used to have was I need to get rid of them as much as possible because they threaten my existence (laughs) and my overall feeling about the world you know um so that's what I used to do now I'm thinking to myself like my logical brain is very much like hold on humans have existed for so long we've evolved we've continued to keep certain things like sleep we we don't know much about it but we've evolved to keep it so I always think there must be reason behind some of these things even if we scientifically don't know why the other (laughs) thing is crying why have we evolved to continue to cry there must be a reason behind this that is like keeps this function as being important emotions is the other thing like we have these emotions they must play such an important part to our life so with that said let's hand it over to you (laughs) so you can like tell us why emotions are so important and also what happens when we shut them out Mm. like why is that so dangerous another giant topic that we will skim the surface we've literally got like tiny (laughs) 15 minutes I can do it I can overachieve at this (laughs) (laughs) so essentially we are emotional creatures humans have the gift of emotion and emotion is an energy that moves mm-hmm. through the body and so a lot of the energy that like food that we consume would put in our mouth and it would digest in a downward direction mm-hmm. emotional energy moves through the body system in the opposite way it actually moves up mm, and that's know. why you can feel when you're about to cry it's yeah. going up your throat and you're like wow. oh it's going to come out of my throat and you've got to push it back down or the mm. tears come up and outwards or the voice the anger expression or the hands so when we're in a healthy emotional state 
that energy moves very freely through the body. Mm -hmm. It's a transient wave of energy that moves. We cry about it. We feel something positive. We feel joy, elation, whatever it might be. And very quickly, we come to a more neutral kind Mm -hmm. of place. But our society has taught us that emotions are bad. Emotions aren't valuable. They're illogical, that they ruin things. And I would say that unhealthy emotional energy definitely does. If we are having irrational emotional responses to this present moment Mm -hmm. you and I are doing a podcast you say something I start looking hysterical (laughs) that's not appropriate for this moment but it's my unhealthy emotionality that I haven't addressed things in the past I'm I'm having a response to this moment but you're really just a mirror of something else that's happening in my life or I haven't cried for the last three weeks and it's all bursting out of me Mm -hmm. right now then yes that's destructive Mm -hmm. emotional energy is energy of course it can be destructive but healthy emotional energy is constructive And so it allows us to experience this entire human existence, really. They emotions enrich our life experience. Yeah. So it's part of our ability to relate and empathize with others. It's something that would keep our family safe, for Mm. example, is like the love and protection that we feel for our children means that we can protect them and provide for them and ensure they grow up safely. It's so obvious when you think about it, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, but for me, it's just like taking a paintbrush and adding color to a black and white existence. Yeah, I like that. I love the depth and the richness. So I'm an extremely emotional person. I am so far up the other end of the scale where I don't, I do have logic. Thank goodness. I can also (laughs) access my brain, but I can't actually detach from my emotionality. Mm. Um, Some people can, they can actively choose to say, now's not an appropriate time to feel my feelings. I need to access the logic. And like in a high pressure situation, say we just came across a road accident. Yeah. Like I am going to be devastatingly mm. emotional over who might be hurt and what this means. Whereas we need someone to say, okay, we need to create triage. We need to call emergency services. Yeah, Someone needs logic and very clear thinking in that mm-hmm. high pressure situation. So when we have people in our society who are very logical, we should be putting them in roles that we need logic. Mm. But we also need emotion and we need connection. So let's say, let's go back to the family. You want someone who's teaching your child at school to have an emotional connection with your child and be able to relate and empathize with your child or a nurse, for example, someone at a bedside or things like that. So we often see these as uh, second class jobs and roles. But they're not. not, they have their place. And when we can be emotionally intelligent and skillful so that's another thing is that we actually have to learn how to manage our emotions and learn what they are and how to express them well and without that kind of skill we don't have emotional intelligence and that's when yeah the emotional energy does get in the way but it's not weak to cry it's Mm. actually in this society it's strong Mm. to be vulnerable and it's strong to feel what you need to feel But for many of us who've grown up in emotionally avoidant families like mine or in emotionally avoidant society in general, people become petrified to feel their feelings. Mm. But I like to use an analogy of like a Tupperware container at the back of the fridge that's gone moldy that we're not looking at and we're ignoring it. And sometimes you go, oh, I should clean that out. You start to open it and you're like, that's disgusting. (laughs) I'm putting it back. Yeah. (laughs) But if you go, okay, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to open it. I'm going to clean it out. I'm going to clear out that junk. Then you never have to address it again. Mm. So what happens for people when they think about opening their heart or addressing these emotions that they haven't looked at, they, it becomes overwhelming and it feels painful and it feels like this is never going to stop and I'm never going to escape this. So I'm going to put the lid back on and shove it back down again. Mm. But there's something in the power of moving through it of like, yes, it's going to be intense, especially when you first start these processes of emotional connection, it's going to be overwhelming. You're going to feel physical pain as a response to your emotional pain. But if you've got the courage to feel it and move through it, no intense emotion will ever last longer than 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's only yeah. 15 minutes of our life that we could be lying in bed, bawling mm-hmm. our eyes out if we truly, truly let ourselves feel it. Like mm-hmm. turn the tap the whole way on. If you yeah. just let it dribble out and turn the tap off again, then yeah, we're going to be stuck with that um, stuck emotional energy for a very long time. So yeah. Basically, we need to acknowledge that we're emotional beings, see the value in that, do the emotional healing to kind of overcome this unhealthy state and then start to build up the skills to get to really supreme emotional intelligence and emotional health. And then that's when it's amazingly enriching. 
Absolutely. And you know what I think from my own experience with it as well is when you suppress emotions, you're not just shutting the door on the bad, painful emotions. You're shutting the door on the ability to feel the really amazing, rewarding yeah. emotions as well. And when, like, that's what I did when I was in corporate. And when it comes to the point of like, okay, I've got confidence to leave now. What do I actually want to do with my life? I found it really hard to know because I had channeled out of any emotion. So when I something would be in front of me, I don't know if that feels good or not because mm. I don't, can't tap into that feeling anymore because yeah. I locked it out. And um, and I think then pairing that with like us being women and you know by like evolution or or from the start of time, like we are emotional beings, mm-hmm. and so we're almost shutting out two things. It's like the ability to feel joy, but also just our actual like true authenticness as well as women. And and what results is just this numb feeling, exactly what you're saying, like a picture with no color in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it's so important to be able to feel your emotions because then you can actually, you have awareness of what is the right way to go in your life. Yes. what brings you joy? What's yes. the right decision here? And you know? even like when I think about the decisions that the government makes on behalf of the people, like if you have to make a decision on behalf of your family mm-hmm. or your team at work or your friendship circle and you don't have an emotional connection to them, how can you know what's best for people? If empathy is a very natural, mm-hmm. normal thing, but we disconnect from it. So then you don't know, you can easily make decisions that hurt people. Yeah. And of course, like, sometimes you have to make decisions that hurt people but you can be unaware of just how much damage you're doing because you just don't feel anything yeah want to feel anything and you're avoiding it yeah but yeah I just want to what you just said then was really important like humans are emotional creatures but the feminine is the emotional Mm. component of that and we're cyclical beings you know our hormones change throughout the course of a month but the masculine stays very consistent Mm -hmm. and so our emotional states will flow in the same way that our bodies and our hormones flow. And we've been trying to stay on this even keel like yeah. the masculine. So we're completely denying what it is to be feminine. But even I know some women that are very logical women and they're not deeply emotional. And I know mm. some men that are deeply emotional that, are, you know, have more emotions than logic. And like, it's all okay. It's not to say that that's a, only women should be feeling or men should be logical. Like that's a, gross oversimplification Mm. of what it really means to be emotional but certainly as women it's an incredible like when I think about my emotions I just feel so much gratitude to be such an emotional person yeah like if we worked in marketing what would be a successful marketing campaign something that made people feel something because we know when you make people feel something they want it or they engage or something so there's some knowing at the back of all of this that emotions is what we want Mm -hmm. that's how we get people yeah that's how we connect with others is by making them feel making them feel alive or feeling wanted or feeling desired or safe or happy whatever it might be so yeah it's an incredible thing to be able to respond to life in that way yeah and I think at the end of the day the people who like both of us when we were in our jobs before and didn't want to be in them it's like it's like the reason perhaps I mean for me it was that I picked the job before was like things like prestige, salary, like, Mm. um, you know, intellectually challenging, like all of these things rather than like how I might feel. Mm. And I think a lot of people who are deciding to leave their jobs and now want to chase feelings of purpose and joy Mm -hmm. and like every day they like what they do. And so I think it's one of those things where, being able to tap into that is so important because how are you going to find it? Like it's yeah. so, so true. So if someone listening um, thinks that they, they've been conditioned, they recognize some of what you're saying and like, um, you know, they might have had inst- instances at work where they've not been able to show emotions and then mm. that's been told it's bad. Where can they start? Because it's a bit of a journey, isn't it? Cause yeah. like for me, like a couple of years, like I, sh- I mean, last year, <laughs> I struggled to cry like Mm -hmm. literally I think it had gone so far that I just had blocked it out Mm -hmm. so like where can people start (laughs) (laughs) my old roommate went onto YouTube and googled 
how to cry. <laughs> it's <laughs> and like literally people on YouTube teaching yeah, you how to honestly, cry. Honestly, it's like a man it is, on the holiday. <laughs> she, I was watching it. I was like, oh God, I'm so like that. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny because I no, I've definitely have windows in my life where I'll shut down for sure. But where I am at now is definitely different from that. I cry mm. a lot and I love to cry. Mm. Um and again, it's that healthy and appropriate yeah. response. So I would say that start to do things or start to open yourself to those more heightened emotional experiences that can start to bring the feeling so that you can start to mm. like clear out some of that pent up emotion. Like there's definitely healers and people that you can go and see that can mm-hmm. support this work. But I would say things like go and watch very emotionally provocative movies, emotionally provocative music puppies babies kittens <laughs> you know like anything that makes you feel yeah like start to expose yourself to mm. it and start to be around other people who are more emotionally healthy if you can find them or even if it's resources like podcasts and videos like starting to uh get the wheels turning mm. again i guess and give yourself permission it's, it's certainly with the crying piece like I know sometimes when I it's starting to build up inside me, I'm like, I need to cry. It's mm. like find a good piece of music, like make space to go into that feeling. And, you know, you can really, especially anger, anger is one that women have really denied a lot. It's not okay to be an angry woman a lot of the time is I like to do something like kind of like poking the beast. And so okay. what I do with some of my friends is when they had this very justified hurt or anger inside them, I used to have this piece of bamboo that would beat the bed with, you know, like it can be yeah. a wooden spoon, it can be a pillow, kind of beating it against something. But you almost want to stoke the feeling mm. and chase the stories that make you feel angry. And like, I'm going to give myself this time, I'm going to go into it, and I'm going to get myself back out of it. Mm. Maybe we put a 15 minute timer on or a song on, and we grab the pillow and we start beating the bed. And then we start like really thinking, like, what am I most angry about? Whose face is this? Like, whatever it might be to really stir the feelings up and get them out. So if it's sadness or crying, we can do the same thing. We want to kind of provoke it and then think, what are the saddest thoughts I can feel right now? What Mm. is like dive into the feeling to try and get it to move. And then you'll find like, at first it might feel so far out of reach and that's totally okay. Like be compassionate with that process, but the more you do it, Mm. you'll find that it becomes easier and easier. It's kind of like, opening up the uh, the pipes that have been closed for a long time you first turn on the tap things are blocked like yeah. the water's not going to go through but you keep working at it and you clear out little pipe by pipe and eventually you'll have this nice yeah. flow of energy through the body yeah I love that and that that really makes sense and makes sense to me and they're like the bamboo knocking where am I getting bamboo I don't know. <laughs> maybe a big wooden spoon or something would yeah. work but like it's a Bali actually, thing. <laughs> yeah, I went to a healer quite recently who did these kind of emotional healings that are very similar to mine. Mm. So it was really nice to actually go and receive yeah, something yeah. that's like mine. Man, she made me get so angry. And it's such a different, it's one thing to think angry thoughts and to think you're feeling it. But when someone's like now kick and punch and hit and scream, yeah, like, whoa, that's a scary, scary thing to do. So um, look, I know that my energy is emotionally activating for others my sexual energy, my spiritual energy, my emotional energy, actually, especially according to human design, initiates others. So I know I can draw people into my feeling experience Mm -hmm. and they can feel more because they're with me or they feel the transfer of emotion Mm -hmm. as I'm speaking. If I'm sharing something about sexuality and I'm in a deep state of trust, people are like, oh, I hear what you're saying. Like, I'm curious, tell me more. But if they read that article that was talking about that sexual thing, they might be like, oh, I judge yeah. that, or that's wrong. Yeah. So I know I can kind of transmit my feelings and my energy that way. So again, exposure to the right people, aligning yourself with the right people. If you find someone else who is emotionally expressive in your life, go and spend more time with them. Mm. Go and watch a movie with them. Go to the cinema together and watch a sad movie and be with them while mm. they're in their emotionality. See how that feels just to be witnessing someone else crying that much. Mm. One of my friends is like, her coach said to her, who in the world can you ugly cry in front of? And she's like, absolutely no one except for Erin. <laughs> so she called me and she's like, thanks for being my place where it's safe to ugly cry. Oh, that's actually so nice. And I'm like, girl, how many times have I laid on your lap and left this big tear stain yeah. on your jeans because I'm crying. Like Aww. emotional safety amongst us, you know, mm. telling other people in your world, like I really want to work on this and I want to feel a bit more and, you know, getting some buy-in from the other yeah. people in your life too. Yeah, I like that. And even just like, 
even if feelings of discomfort come up thinking I don't want to be around this like it's just having the self-awareness to observe what oh I'm feeling uncomfortable like Mm -hmm. oh that's like probably not very healthy like just observing what's coming up I think is like really good because I think you can feel discomfort but just think that's normal because everybody's tries to suppress it (laughs) you know yeah Um, and so if you're in the presence of other people's emotion notice does that make you do you feel you have to stop it that you have to rescue them that you have to solve something yeah like you don't actually to really hold space for someone else in their emotions is to just be present with them and see and hear what they have to say you Mm. don't have to agree you don't have to change it you don't have to fix it and when we want to have other people to be safe with emotionally then we can ask for that too like Mm -hmm. I need to share this and I want to get this off my chest but I don't need you to solve my problem I don't need you to tell me what to do I don't want you to tell me that I'm wrong I just need you to give me a hug because yeah. I feel like I need to cry right now. Yeah. Because most people don't have the emotional skill and they go, oh, Aaron's crying again. It's getting mm. awkward now because we don't know what to do. And like, it's all right. And they would just want to pat you on the back yeah. and say something superficial and so pointless and not helpful. Yeah. Like, it's just the flow of life. Like, you'll be good. Could be worse. And it's like, shut the fuck up right now, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Um, okay. So we've got three minutes left but I'm going to ask one more question and (laughs) then we can go into the quick fire round so what's on the other side of it like what happens if someone does keep suppressing what's the risk because I almost feel like that might be where burnout comes from burnout and illness yeah absolutely because you see a lot of men as well who have gone into the corporate world ultimately burning out Mm -hmm. like and women as well and I think it seems to me that that's coming from a lot of suppression. Absolutely. And they actually can scientifically prove this stuff, the way that emotions impact our organs. Oh, wow. It is insane. So, so many people that get to the end of their life and have chronic illness and Mm. have sickness have a lot of suppressed and unaddressed emotional and mental traumas. Interesting. Heaps. And like, there's some amazing reference books that also show you like these kind of traumas, when they're suppressed, they affect the nervous system in this way. Well, this kind of disease tends to come from people who have had this kind of childhood. Like it's unbelievable. Mm. So we're talking about emotions today. So yeah, it enriches our life, but actually it's a a necessary part Mm. of our overall health. We can't be striving in health and be emotionally blocked. Like, again, it's just energetics that move through the body. And if you go back to ancient medicine practices like traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda, then they Mm. speak very openly about the emotions and the emotions correlation with health mm. so like if you look at people who are heartbroken for example like they might have gone through a huge trauma of losing a child or something like that they often manifest problems with their heart their physical heart mm. like it's it's not you know a heartache wow. it's like oh yeah, it's a pain wow. in my chest it's an emotional pain but it can also then translate to physical pain wow it's yeah. so powerful so my mum, who's extremely emotionally avoidant is now in her 60s and she's having her nervous system shut down to the point she can't feel like mm. she's losing sensation in her legs and i know and i try and very gently bring her awareness to it like mom mm. this is because you don't want to feel mm. and i said to her the last time i saw her when she was telling me she's having a lot of health complications and i said do you think what if any correlation do you think there is between this and your heart Mm. and she just said I know I know this is because I haven't dealt with the trauma wow I'm like yeah mum and it's going to keep showing up in the body and giving you messages until you pay attention yeah and it can be really hard if we wait until our 60s to do this work because it's a lot you have a lifetime of stuff under your belt that you need to address Mm. so I think the sooner that we say okay I'm going to be brave and I'm going to look at my stuff and I'm going to look at what's trapped inside me what feelings have I wanted to feel and mm. what healing can I do psychologically emotionally spiritually that allows me you know all of this comes back to the very beginning of the conversation like what do I do I transform people yeah. we evolve that's how we become bigger and better versions of ourselves yeah like who doesn't want that who doesn't want to have the greatest life experience that we could possibly have yeah that looks like that's amazing I'm so glad I asked that last question (laughs) and it's so like preventative like this is just how people go to the gym and do all these things it's like okay if you know you're suppressing your emotions like listen to Erin go go and try and sort that out come and sit with me and cry (laughs) (laughs) maybe we should have a crying club (laughs) crying circle um you're just gonna have like you crying and then all these people (laughs) trying to cry (laughs) 
then you're like, but look at these puppies. Come on, come on. <laughs> and then I actually have a, a statement and I think I shared it at the women's circle that you came to. If they're not crying, you're not trying. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I want, and I went to a wedding on the weekend actually and I sadly found it the most boring and oh. love deficient wedding oh, I've ever no. been to. They're just logical kind of people, you know. Yeah. And I said to my friend, if people at my next wedding because I've been married once before but if I have guests at my wedding who are not crying like everyone better be bawling their freaking eyes out so overwhelmed with feeling so much love and so much joy like I can just imagine I'm just gonna smash everyone with emotional energy (laughs) oh my god so dry eye in the house (laughs) I love that um okay so at the end we have quick fire round Mm -hmm. and I know you didn't want to know what the questions are so here we go um so number one is and I know this hasn't really been focused on business but often we do talk about business so (laughs) how did you get your first few sales when you first started oh in my coaching practice it was around new year's time and I decided to do 10 free new year new you style Mm -hmm. sessions and my intention was to get 12 coaching clients and that's like to launch my business and so I did a little Facebook shout out and said I'm doing these 10 free sessions and I had 22 people say yes to it Mm. and so I did 22 free sessions and I converted 12 of them to sales wow amazing yeah so I feel like the universe was there backing me up but it was just the courage to say hey I'm here I'm doing this 22 sessions was amazing experience for Mm -hmm. me I was in a position where I had you know the finance to say okay this month this is what we're doing and then yeah those people Mm. came into the session got value out of it and said yeah let's start off the new year so good yeah so good Uh, I love that advice and this wasn't even about business (laughs) (laughs) um okay number two what sets women apart as leaders oh I think our emotional range and Mm -hmm. our compassion and our ability to think uh, in a non-linear way. Mm -hmm. Number three is interesting because it's kind of a little bit ironic given the subject of emotions in in this episode. But number three is number one tip for overcoming fear in business. And that's obviously emotion. And we've been talking about not suppressing our emotions. (laughs) So I'm really interested in your tip here because the reason why I asked this question is the community say that like one of the biggest reasons they don't take the risk on their dream business and quitting their job and all of those things is fear. Mm-hmm. So I like to get different tips. So I'm really intrigued <laughs> in your opinion because we're like, let's not suppress this fear. I call it my fuck it philosophy. Okay. <laughs> it's just to say fuck it and dive in. Okay. That is a simple kamikaze style. I don't care if I feel afraid, I'm just going to fucking do it. Yeah, actually, you know what? If you if you know that you can, you, like you've felt emotions before and you have a toolkit to like go through it and come out the other side, that almost gives you a confidence to just go into fear yeah because you can cope with it everything's recoverable yeah if you're a high achieving woman already who's listening to this podcast who's got this idea and you want to take a leap and it fails I have no fucking doubt that you're going to pick yourself up Mm. and do gonna build this all over again yeah We're, we're not stupid we're not lacking skills it's just something new yeah and another benefit of being emotionally intelligent is you will start to determine is this my fear because I'm conditioned and I'm scared or is this my fear because my intuition is telling me this isn't Wrong. quite in alignment mm. and we start to become so refined about that that the fear can be a good indicator to be like mm, no that doesn't feel right yeah there's some sort of inner guidance system there that's telling me I've got to look to the left slightly and that's not the direction I was thinking that I was going but I'm thinking outside of the box now and oh my god and then all of a sudden something yeah. new opens up but if you're just like, no, I've got to keep pushing, even though this feels like it's not in alignment, then yeah, we can yeah. stumble and fall. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's so key to understand what's behind the fear because it is a signal at the end of the day and it could be either one. Yeah. Sometimes it's like you can say, okay, what does my gut say about mm. this thing? What does my heart say about this thing? Mm, and yes, what does my mind say about this thing? And you'll get three very yeah. different answers. So, yeah. so when we're confused, whenever you've, uh, I don't know, I've got all these things going on, try and break it down, tease it out. Okay, this is what my mind is saying. And my mind tends to be conditioned with society standards and what my family will think and my ideas of success. I find the heart to be my favorite guidance system. It's never led me astray. And the gut, when there's fear in the gut, that can tend to be that primal, primitive survival thing. Like, mm. 
I don't want to work with that person. Yeah. There's something in my gut that says they're dodgy or like don't drive down that street tonight because, yeah. you know, that's more body primal feeling based yeah. fears. So, yeah, you can kind of work out where that fear is and then say, do I want to honor it in this moment? Or if it's mm. coming from the heart. Yeah. <laughs> like there might be anxiety in the body for sure when you think about taking that leap but there's something in the heart that's also excited mm-hmm. that wants that thing and that's when you say okay fuck it, i'm gonna do it yeah and whatever the outcome will be the outcome will be and no doubt you take that leap and it's fucking better than you ever could have imagined mm. <laughs> yeah oh thank you so much erin this has been amazing so where can the listeners find you so my name is Erin Kiner and I am the only Erin Kiner on the planet. So <laughs> type that in and you will find me on Instagram, on Facebook. You'll find my website, my podcast, mm-hmm. everywhere. I am in a little hermit and recluse stage at the moment. So the podcast is on a short hiatus <laughs> with the intention of coming back. But we shall see. We shall see what my heart says and the guidance it provides. Amazing. So yeah, go and check Erin out and all the links are in the show notes. But thank you so much for coming on. My absolute pleasure. Hey everyone, just a tiny little 30 second pause to tell you about my free gift to all of you lovely podcast listeners. Have you ever wondered what it's like being a female digital nomad in Bali? I know that a lot of you have and perhaps you're overwhelmed with all the things that you need to think about to prepare for your move that you keep putting it off. Or perhaps you've never even heard of a digital nomad before and you're curious about the idea. Well, you're in luck because I've got a gift for you all. I've packed all of my secrets together into a 50 plus page free guide with tips and advice, including things like what to pack, accommodation types, community, making friends, dating, safety as a woman. There's even a full page on mosquitoes. And I've written this guide specifically with women in mind. So I really could be charging for it, to be honest, but I've decided to give it to you for free, but I will be charging for it soon. So here's your chance to grab your free copy. Head to my website, femaleleadershipcollective.com and click on the Bali Guide in the menu or tap the link in the show notes. Back to the episode.